0: I'm going to read again verse 36. What shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Being saved is the most important thing in the whole world. You need to, you need to be saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you need to get born again. My wife and I got saved back in 1975. I was a construction worker. I started when I was in school. And uh, I was a gambler. I'm not proud of that. I'm not bragging on my sin. But I gambled just about every day of my life. And we started sending our kids to Sunday school. My wife had gone all through Catholic school and into Catholic high school. She was very religious, very devout. And I had gone to Sunday school when I was a boy, and we knew about God. But the kids would come home from Sunday school, and they'd bring a little thing that they colored in Sunday school, a little picture that the kids do in Sunday school, and it would have a Bible verse on the bottom. And my wife would read the Bible verse and cry. So we started going to church. And the pastor would say to my wife, the Bible says, and she would say, the church says. And he would say, the Bible says, and she would say, the church says. And finally, he said, April, read the Gospel of John 10 times, and then we'll talk. Well, a couple of weeks went by, and we hadn't been in church. And we were going to go to church the next day. It was Sunday night. And my wife had not read the Gospel of John one time. And she knew that he was going to ask her if she'd read it. So she started reading the Gospel of John, spiritual giant that I was. I went to bed. And sometimes there in the night, just her and God, those scriptures became real to her. And she asked the Lord to save her. I had gone to a little Bible club, a little children's Bible club as a boy, and, and I knew how to get saved. I knew it was by faith. And I'd asked Jesus into my heart when I was about eight years old. But now in 1975, at 30 years old, sitting in church, I heard the scripture, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I was sitting there in church, and I thought, you know, I'm just the same old me. I, I don't have a desire for the word of God. I don't have a desire for prayer.
1: My life hasn't
0: been changed. And you know, the Holy Spirit really started convicting me about my sin. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, if I'm not saved, I want you to save me right now. I was convicted. I I didn't want to get saved to go to heaven. It's a good reason to get saved. I didn't want to get saved to stay out of hell. That's another good reason to get saved. But I wanted to get saved because I wanted to be forgiven. Not just for what I did, but for what I was. And you know, I asked the Lord to save me, and my wife asked the Lord to save her. And I'm going to tell you, man, our life has been different since that day. If, if if God said, take a piece of paper and write on it, everything you want in the world, everything you want in your life, I, I, would, I never would have picked anything as good as he's done for Mrs. Clark and for me and for my family. So let me just encourage you, if you're not saved, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It'll be the greatest day in your life. So what should profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what should a man give in exchange for his soul? If you lose your soul, what? if you had the whole world and you lose your soul, what good is it going to do you? We're just in this world for a little time, but eternity is forever. I'm thinking today about Father's Day, and I want to bring a message today about family, about marriage, about husbands, about wives. And I don't change the Bible, but I want to give you a thought here, and I want to read these verses a different way. What should it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own family? Or what should a man give in exchange for his family? Outside of the Lord, outside of God, The most important thing in my life is my family, is my wife, is my children. Now we have grandchildren. We even have great-grandchildren. And I thank God for my salvation, and I love the Lord, but I thank God for my wife, for my kids, and my family. You know, the Bible says this. It says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You know, the first foundation is the family. Before God ordained government, before God ordained a church, he ordained the family. Over there in Genesis 2, he gave Adam a wife. And you know, in our country today, we can keep throwing money at the problems. Just more money, more money, more money but money's not gonna fix the problems. One of our biggest problems is the families are falling apart. We don't have families anymore, and we need, we need a revival of God. We need a revival in our families. So the title of my message is kind of peculiar, but I preached here the last time at the college in the 1980s, and uh, the message I preach is basically the one I'm preaching today. But I want to preach and give you this thought, your first ministry, your first ministry. We had all the dads stand up just a little bit ago, and I'm a dad and a grandpa and a great grandpa. And serving God is the most important thing I do in my whole life. And I know this, when it comes to my ministry, my wife, my kids, my family is my first and most important ministry. And we'll get into this just a little bit more. I don't want to lose my family. Amen. I don't want to lose my family. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to give you five words, and I don't have a lot of time to give them. The preacher said if I don't get done on time, he's not going to feed me today. So since I love food so much, I've got to listen to what he says. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a help meet for him. God made everything in six little days, six 24-hour days. When he made everything, made he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And now all of a sudden, God says, it's not good. It's not that man isn't good, but it isn't good for the man to be alone. I need to make a helper for him. Adam had the whole world. Everything was his. He had everything in the world, but he did not have anybody to share it with. I'm glad my wife was able to come with me on this trip. We're going to be going for about eight days this week. I don't want to be alone in in a hotel room. I want to to have my wife to be be with me and, and somebody to share things with. Marriage is God's cure for loneliness. Now I know there's single people in this room, and uh, here's what I'll say to you. It's better to want something you don't have than have something you don't want. So hopefully that'll be encouraged for you this morning. The first word I want to give you is companionship. Companionship. It's not good for the man to be alone. The Lord caused, verse 21, a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had took from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The man and woman, the husband-wife relationship, is a picture of Christ and the church. Now think about this. Eve was part of Adam's body before she became his bride. Right now, we're part of the body of Christ. God's calling out the Gentiles and people for his name. At the rapture, we become the bride of Christ. And think about this. Adam had a deep sleep and God put a wound in his side and he got his bride from his wounded side. Wow. When I look at the Bible, I, I... In the Old Testament, we see the New Testament concealed. In the New Testament, we see the Old Testament revealed. I'm glad I got the whole Bible. I'm glad I've got the, I got the Word of God. So we see here, God makes Adam a companion. And marriage is supposed to be companionship. It's supposed to be spending time together, giving people time, giving people attention. Don't neglect your family. Don't neglect your family. My kids didn't grow up without a dad. My kids did not grow up orphans. But let me say this. Our church didn't grow up without a pastor. It wasn't one or the other. It was was both and you have to prioritize your time. I don't want to neglect the ministry, the church, and I don't want to neglect my family either. Bob Jones Sr. said this. He said, duties never of conflict. Duties never of conflict. I was listening on the radio one day, and they were interviewing Billy Graham. And they asked him a question, and they said, if you had it to go over again, what would you do different in your life and i thought he would say you know i'll go to more countries or i'll have bigger meetings or i won't do whatever and here's what he said without blinking an eye he said if i had to do over again i'd spend more time with my family i think that's good advice for us the only good thing that came out of the shutdown as far as i was concerned is it kind of moved the clock back to the old days when people spent time together yeah. and got to know their wife and their husband and their kids. So I thank the Lord for that. So the first thing is this, is the, the word companionship. The word to have to companionship. The second word I want to give you is this. Look what it says. For this cause shall a man uh, leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they should be one flesh. That word cleave means to stick like glue. The first word is companionship. The second word is close. I want to be close to the Lord. I want to be close to God. I want to walk with God. I want all of God I can get. But let me say this. I want to be close with my family. I want to be close with my wife. You can live in the same house. You can eat at the same table you can sleep in the same bed and not be close I'm talking about intimacy not just body to body but heart to heart I want to be close to the Lord I know this listen sin will separate me from God I'm not saying I'll lose my salvation but it will come between us and the same thing in a marriage I want to be close to my wife and my kids physically, emotionally, and spiritually. When my wife and I got saved, it added a whole new dimension to our marriage and our family. I mean, it just opened up a world that we didn't even know existed. Because not only were we close physically in proximity and emotionally, but now we were spiritually. We had, we had a bond, we had a closeness that we didn't have before. How close are you to the Lord? How close are you to God? Well, I'm saved. Well, I'm glad you're saved. I didn't ask you, are you saved? I said, how close are you to God? How close are you with your kids? How close are you with your family? How close are you with your wife or with your husband? We need to be close. Listen, you have two eggs on a plate. That's close. But there's close and there's close. When you have scrambled eggs, that's really close. There's a difference between two eggs on a plate and scrambled eggs. You have hot water and you have cold water. You put them both on at one time, and you get, we shouldn't talk about lukewarm in church, but that's what you get. There's a difference. There's a blend there. Now, getting married is an experience. Some of you say, boy, it sure is. Being married is a relationship. Before you have the relationship, you have to have the experience. My wife and I, we got our our marriage license on her 18th birthday. You had to be 18 to get married without parental consent, and her dad was a drunk. Nobody knew where he was. And uh, we got our marriage license on her 18th birthday. We got married three days later. And that was an experience. For 55 years, if we make it to August, we've had a relationship. Let me make this statement. Salvation, getting saved, is an experience. Getting saved is something you have to do. It's an event in your life, the biggest event in your whole life. Being saved is a relationship, a relationship with God, a relationship with the Lord. And you can't have the relationship without the experience. And if you've had an experience and you don't have a relationship, You better check out what your experience really was. So, relationships are important. And you have to build relationships. Let me say just about relationships. All relationships are built on trust. All relationships are built on trust. You don't come to church if you don't trust the pastor. You don't go to the bank if you don't trust the banker. Trust is built on honesty. You can't have trust with somebody who's not honest. And you can't have honesty without openness. Without openness. You can't, in marriage, you can't be hiding things. You can't be sneaky. You can't have a double life. The same way with our Christian faith, with our with our faith in God. We We have to, God knows us. It's stupid for us to think we can hide stuff from God. It just can't happen. Only when we have... Honesty, and only when we have openness do we have trust. And only when we have trust do we have closeness. A lot of problems in people's marriage, people can't trust each other. People lying, people sneaking around, people double-crossing, it's not good. If you're going to have closeness, you've got to have communication. You need to communicate affection. Love is something you feel, but love is something you show. Say it. Show it. I have men come to my church, and grown men, 30, 40 years old, and they'll tell me, they'll say, my dad never told me he loved me. I know he did. I know he loved me, but he never said it. Can I tell, some, can I tell you something? Say it, man. Say it. Tell your wife you love her. Tell your husband you love her. Tell your kids you love them. Say it. You need to communicate appreciation don't don't take them for granted i think a lot of people are going to appreciate church more because we couldn't come and couldn't do it i don't i don't want to wait till i lose somebody to start appreciating them yeah. a lot of things in life we don't appreciate till we don't have it anymore we my wife and i we weren't going to eat supper and then i got hungry so we went to minor dung world famous minor dung hamburger and you know It was just such a blessing, it's the first time in three months we've been able to sit down in a restaurant and eat. Before we just took it for granted. Now we appreciate it. Don't wait till you lose them to appreciate it, folks. Let me say this, communicate approval, talking about in marriage, talking about with kids. Don't just tell people what you don't like. Don't just tell people what you don't like. It's all right to compliment people, it's all right to praise people. It's all right to encourage people. We had a lady in our church, and she came to me after a service, and she said, I I need to talk to you. And I grabbed my wife. We went in a side room, and she said, I'm going to leave my husband. I can't stand it anymore. And I said to her, I said, does he beat you up? And she said to me, she said, no, he beats me down. We need to communicate approval. People need, listen, everybody needs to be loved. Everybody needs to be appreciated. And everybody needs to be needed. Let me hurry along here. Ruth, if you can turn with me, I'm going to just start reading it. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. Whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodge, I will lodge. Thy people should be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. Now, this verse has nothing to do with marriage, but many, many, many weddings, the pastor will read these verses and make some comments in the wedding. And I think there's a good application here. The first word I gave you was this. It was companionship. Spend time with your kids. Spend time with your family. The second word is close. Be close to God. Be close with your wife, your husband, your family. Listen, life isn't about things. It's about God and people. It's about God and people. The third word is this, commitment. Commitment. Marriage is a commitment. Marriage is a life sentence. A life sentence. When my wife and I got married, we got married to stay married. You need to make a commitment. Over 50% of marriages today in America are ending in divorce. I mean, over half the people that get married on any Saturday end up getting divorced. I'm getting to the point as a pastor where I'm gun shy, where I'm almost afraid to do weddings. I'm to the point where I enjoy funerals more than weddings anymore. Don't just make a commitment to get married. Make a commitment to stay in love. Make a commitment to stay in love. The last few years I've been having husbands say this to me. I love her, but I'm not in love with her. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You can love your dog, you can love your car. You need to stay in love. You need to stay in love. If you want it to be, and you've heard this, if you want it to be the way it used to be, do what you used to do. You need to, you need to put the wood on the fire. You need to keep working at that being in love. Let me say to the wives, don't be so busy being a mom that you forget your wife. And don't spoil the wrong person. And to you husbands, don't be so busy at work that you don't have time for your family. I was listening to Christmas time a couple years ago I was listening to the radio and they were interviewing some celebrities and talking to them about Christmas and Hank Williams Jr came on and he said uh, Christmas is is not a happy time for me he said when when I was growing up he said I got all the most expensive toys anybody could ever have He said, I got bicycles, I got motors, I got everything money could buy. He said, but all I really wanted was my dad. So make a commitment. Stay in love. Stay married. Habakkuk. I'm going to skip that. Malachi. Go to Malachi. We've got the word companion. We've got the word close. We've got the word commitment. I hope, listen, I hope you're a committed Christian. I'm glad to see you here this morning. You're committed to church. Committed to the Lord. It's a good thing. In Malachi chapter number 2 and verse number 14, it says, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Verse 15, the last part, it says, Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith he hateth putting away. Notice that word covenant. When we do a wedding, Pastor Wilkerson did a wedding yesterday We talk about the wedding vows. The wedding vows are a covenant. A covenant is a sacred promise, a sacred promise. When you get married, you promise the man, you promise the bride. Each one promises each other. But remember this, not only are we promising each other, we're promising God. We're promising God. We're promising God. The Bible says it's better not to make a vow than make a vow and not keep it and break it. And God here, he talks about the covenant and he talks about the idea of he hates putting away. God hates divorce. I'm not trying to beat you up if you're in this audience. The only reason my wife and I are still married is just the grace of God. If we hadn't gotten saved, I don't know where we'd be, our kids would be, or anything else would be. So I'm not trying to beat you up, but I am trying to encourage you to have the right kind of marriage. Have the have a Bible marriage and do what the Bible says. This Bible tells us how to be a good Christian, tells us how to be a good dad, good husband, good wife, and so on and so forth. Let me go to Matthew chapter number 7, the most important word. Our marriage is, I don't know where you're at, but... Our marriages in America are in bad shape. A year or two ago we had about a hundred teenagers coming in on the bus, some church families, and asked how many of you have a father in the house? And out of a hundred there's only about fifteen of them raised their hand. That that's what's listen, that's what's wrong in our In our country you know you talk about the ghetto and you talk about the inner city and all that money's not going to fix that going back to biblical marriage having a mom and a dad in the house and having a family Matthew chapter number seven and verse 24 therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock. The Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'm not going to grow in my Christian life by just hearing the word of God. I'm going to grow in my Christian life when I hear the word of God and put it into practice. You can know something, but that doesn't mean you've learned anything. I can know what the Bible says, but I haven't learned it until I'm living it. There's a lot of people have heard about the Lord. They know about the Lord. They know how to be saved, but they're not saved. Jesus says a wise man is going to hear the word of God and he's going to do it. He says, I'll compare him to a man that built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the flood came and the wind blew and beat on the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine doeth them not will be like a foolish man which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew beat on that house, and it fell. Sad words, and great was the fall of it. When we got married, I had people wanting to give me good advice. And here's what they told me. They said, it takes two to make a marriage. It takes two to make a marriage. Well, their intentions were good, and their advice was good but what they said isn't true it doesn't take two to make a marriage it takes three and the most important one is Christ out of the words I gave you the most important one is Christ the most important person in the world is Christ there's a lot of people leave the Lord out of their life Mrs. Clark and I basically lived that way for 10 years we'd go to church on Easter we'd go to midnight mass in the Catholic church we had some religion in there but we didn't have Christ but boy I tell you what when Jesus came to our house everything changed Amen. and everything got better the sun got brighter the birds sang sweeter and we're not perfect and our family isn't perfect well, I don't know where we'd be without the Lord What are you building your house on? Are you building your house on the Bible? You're building your house on the word of God? You know, we're all mad because they took prayer out of public school. Well, you know what? It's not illegal to pray in your house. We're mad they took the Bible out of public school. You know, you can read the Bible with your family. You can have a family owner. You know that? I want to look at one more verse, and I'll be done. Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman. I know it's Father's Day, but I'm still going to read about the virtuous woman. I'll read just two verses. Well, I'll just read verse 28, Proverbs 31, 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. I have a man in my church, got saved, Vic Costantino. Good Italian boy. He's a funeral director. And we have a ministry going where he tries to get me to do as many funerals as I can. And we give the gospel, and it's just been a great ministry. I do many, 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 many funerals. And usually at a funeral... Somebody will get up and read a poem about the deceased person, and people will get up and talk about what a good wife she was and what a good mom she was. And when I stand there waiting for my turn to speak, here's what I always think about, and here's what I always wonder. Did they tell her that when she was alive? Did they tell her that when she was alive? I cut something out of the paper a few years ago, and both of these just happened to be next to each other. The first one, it's a memorial. After some, on, a, on the, the anniversary of somebody's death, they would put these in the paper and just say something about the person who was deceased. This one says, someday, I hope to meet you someday. I know not where or when to ask your forgiveness for the mistakes I made in life. Love, John. Here's the one below it. Happy birthday, my love. It'll be eight years on the 27th that God took you in his arms into the gates of heaven. Eight years, my love, and I still will always feel you in my arms forever and ever love you always Dennis there's two kinds of tears at funerals there's two kinds of tears there's tears of sorrow and there's tears of regret you can comfort people that have tears of sorrow but you can't help people that have tears of regret. It's too late then. I was doing a wedding. I got up and said everything I could think of saying, kind of like the person that spoke before Abraham Lincoln at his Gettysburg Address. We got done the wedding. We were in the receiving line, and a man in front of me congratulated the bride and groom, he shook the groom's hand and he said to the groom he said if you want her to treat you like a king treat her like a queen and I went wish I would have said that let me just say this if you want him to treat you like a queen treat him like a king And if you want her to treat you like a king, treat her like a queen.